an eternal thing that says, what did love say to you? Isn't that awesome? If you know your sickness is not unto death, it is for his glory, then he is saying, I love you because I'm going to heal you from that. And you'll never, it's eternal. You will never have that sickness again unless you re-invite back in. But if it's God, remember, when we think on who he is and we think he is eternal, he is a self-sufficient God. He is a self-sustaining God. He is a God that keeps covenant. Man, you can't miss it. He wants us to work at our relationship with him, but he wants us to feel that kind of success. Everything he has given me in the past seven years, everything he's taken away is because it was it had no eternal life on it. It had no everlasting life. But everything he gave me, guess what? Has had eternal life on it. And when you obtain that kind of eternal relationship with God and recognize he wants to bring heaven down on earth to us consistently and gives us that moment that says, that it, it is really, it says, it's, you know, what does love say? Love says this. That's in that moment that you receive the truth. You receive his fullness. You know what love says. But he says our spirit is willing. Man, when we see the vision... Our spirit's so excited, it's got it all down. It's going to happen like this. I'm going to do this. I'm excited. Yes, God, I receive that. I have great faith. But now what? Our flesh is weak because as he's testing our commitment. <laughs> Come on, how many of us had flesh weak? I mean, weak flesh. I have. You know what I mean? It's, I love admitting my falls because it makes me laugh and it also makes me stronger. You know what makes me stronger is when I recognize my weakness and laugh at myself. And then the more I tell it, I even, I laugh more because I know that I'm going to defeat the devil. Do you know by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony and by what? Not wanting anything greater for our own life, turning from the world. He says those testimonies are what defeat the enemy. So if I keep telling, if I recognize my weakness, you know what I mean? And I'm honest about it. And I tell the testimony of the defeat every time. Do you know the confidence of Christ grows in me? I am not embarrassed. There is no shame. There is nothing that he can do. In fact, it puts such a strong guard on the angels around me. So that temptation won't come back because I'm so transparent about it. Do you know what I mean? We have to think about this. The more we press a transparency on something, then a shift happens. A shift happens. And it's so beautiful when you see the, the ripple effect of that. I know somebody in here, and they've already told their testimony, and it's awesome that they had an abortion. And they told it, did a thing, prayed for everybody. It was awesome. And she totally had no shame. But then here's the beautiful thing. She's actually having to drive with somebody that the person's talking about, somebody who got an abortion and said, I can't believe that. I can't believe that, right? I can't believe a person did that. And then the beautiful thing is when she turned and she didn't say anything. And the girl said, did you have that? And the moment she said, yes. Do you know what turned the other girl's perspective? Because she wasn't ashamed to hold the secret. She was ashamed. She was proud to say that God had forgiven her and she had forgiven herself. 
So now the perception of one person sitting turned towards the love of God. See, love, what does love say? Love says what's transparent. Do you know what I mean? When you have the victory, that victory needs to be what? Spoken. And there is no embarrassment in this ministry because the more it's spoken, the more the enemy is what? Defeated. But you have to be the leader of it. You have to lead those kind of testimonies. You have to press in those kind of testimonies because there is a time where you will know you're fully forgiven as you keep telling the testimonies. So it's awesome how God builds on that. And then we're spreading his presence. She said you could feel the presence of God hit the end of the car. And it truly made somebody think about how they think. Do you know what I mean? Changing a thought of condemnation to a thought to forgiveness. Isn't that amazing? How God will use you in a situation because of something you've been through, showing your commitment to God with telling it. In that moment, how many people have had that moment where you know you're supposed to say something, say something, say something, and then you don't? Yeah, I missed it. Do you know what I mean? Because of pride. Pride makes you miss it. Man, we want to defeat pride. And how do we do that? We have to watch and pray lest we enter into a temptation because our spirit's willing to do anything. Sometimes we can even psych ourselves up to do our spirit's like, yeah, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. But then our flesh becomes weak because we worry about how we look to other people. Do you know what I mean? When sometimes God's putting you in a place to deal with something so he can fall his love on the moment because that's what love says. Love wants the transparency so that somebody else can be saved in him. So commitment. Isn't that beautiful? He is so committed to us. I'm so in love with him. He says, we've got to, we really are in a time that we have to wake up out of this sleep thinking that we're not going to be seen. Romans 13, 11 tells us, Romans 13, 11 tells us, we've got to wake out. Our sleep is our deception of what we think and get out of that mode and invite in his thoughts. He says, and do this knowing the time that now is a high time to what? Awake out of our sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believe. Oh, come on. Well, I could accept Christ. And when I first believe, I still believed in Christ, but I wasn't going to tell anything about myself. <laughs> Praise God that now our salvation becomes nearer and nearer and nearer from since we first believed. That's saying that we have to go through a process. And he tells us, knowing the time that now is a what? High time for us to what? Wake up. Okay. And the wake up is, is hearing that what love says. Come on. If you're sleeping, you can't hear what somebody's saying, right? If you're not spending time with him, what does love say? Well, let's review what I already talked about. If we want healing, we have to be holy, separated, set apart. If we want, if we want power, then it's got to be through the purity of the walk. If we want the wonders and the signs, then it better be the will of God. I'm going to tell you, holiness, purity, will of God overtakes all the others. Because it's not real if it's not backed up by those. 
Remember, we can still experience healings to a measure. We can have the power of God to a measure. And we can even experience signs and wonders. But without holiness, purity, and the true will for your life, it's not going in the book that says, what does love say? It doesn't go in the book. Because it will not be completely eternal and full of power. Man, I can tell certain things that happen in my life. And every time God says, now tell that story, you can feel it land in the room every time. Because the experience was eternal. We have to be walking. We have to be walking miracles. The miracle is that he used signs, wonders, and miracles to change us from the inside out. We have to have evidence, evident manifestations that we have been loved by God. And we have received the eternal change from the inside out. And he tells us it is now high time. We are in the highest moment of revelation of the glory of God to receive this kind of love and power. Because every year we get closer to what? His return. So every year we get closer. Every year the, dip, the awareness opens up. And then what? For now our salvation is what? Nearer. Every generation has an assignment that draws us nearer to it. But guess what? We have to become more what? committed because if we don't stay committed then we fall back and that's not that's a tough spot to be we don't want to fall back we got to keep moving forward for the will of God so I know in here God has given everybody here promises and there are words in the Bible that back up that promise and I'm gonna I will tell you this there is not one word that you can find that will back up a promise that will not manifest itself it will not, it will do what it set out to do. And when the bride and the spirit say come, that verse has to come in its full performance. But now he expects what? Commitment in the holiness. It's being set apart. Commitment in the purity of that word. Because it's the purity that has the power of that word. When you meditate on if this sickness is not unto death, but it is for the glory. I remember how much I meditated on that. And then I remember jumping up in bed. The spirit and the bride started calling, come. I jumped up and I was like, oh, this is real. If it is not, the Holy Spirit will tell you yes or no if it's your sickness unto death. And when I got that, it was like, oh, then that means it's for his glory to change it. Right there, set me free. I could lay hands on a sick. And if it was I was supposed to do it, that person would be whole. I could speak and it would go. You know what I mean? Because the spirit and the bride have to call it. But no matter what, I don't have to ever doubt walking into a hospital if it's not going to work. Because if it's led by him, it's what? It's going to work. You know, this is cute. I had a vision one time. I was walking down a hallway in a hospital and I didn't even meet the people. I just went like this to the chart and I was like healed in Jesus name. And then I walked down. And then something turned in my life, and it changed. Well, this is over the same hallway. Eddie Joe was sick about a year ago, and um, he was in the hospital on Christmas Day. Well, as I'm walking down the hallway on Christmas Day, it was the what? Same hallway. See, when God gives you something, and then now I stood at the end of the hallway. I was like, Lord, do you want me to point to every room and say, healed in the name of Jesus? And I heard Yes. So here I'm walking down. I just went healed in the name of Jesus. Healed in the name. I didn't go check on him. 
But guess what? They were healed. I believe they were 100%. Because he shows things to you before it happens. And now says, will you be committed? Will you be committed? Here's another story. Rachel loves this one. We're sitting at McDonald's. A man comes in, crippled, really crippled. And he was born like that. And I was so drawn and the spirit was rising. I was so drawn to him. I was like, and Rachel, Rachel saw it. <laughs> Rachel sees when God starts to manifest in my face. When she sees the Lord moving, she goes, Mom, you're not going to go talk to him. I said, yeah, I have to. <laughs> and Rachel's like, okay. She goes, you're really going to do it? I said, yep, yeah, I'm up, I'm gone. So I walked this man. I, all I did was trying to help him into his car. And I said, praise God, have a great day. He turned his eyes locked into my my eyes like that. We were in eternity. And I said, you will be healed. And he goes, oh, I know I'll be healed. I said, you will be healed in the name of Jesus. And when I told him that, he got in the car and his wife got very angry. Everybody says he's going to be healed. Blah, 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 right? Gets in the car, just whoop, right? He drove off and I could see the bubble on his car. We came in here on Monday to have Monday worship. That was on a Sunday. And we worship here in the morning. And I heard the Lord. I started crying. I fell. I started crying. I wasn't thinking about the man. But the Lord said to me, Lee, what do you want today? How many have ever had him say, what do you want today? Have you heard him say that? Come on. I know if you're in a relationship, you've got to hear him say, he has days where you're not expecting it and you hear, what do you want today? And you know what I said? I started crying. I said, I want that man healed. I want that man healed of his disability today. And then I felt the burning fire come down. I know I got what I wanted. Does that make sense? See, we have to be so committed that we don't even see the outcome. See, we've become a society. All we want to do is see the outcome. Come on. It's not for us to see. It's for us to say, what does love say? When does love say it? Get it? This is so awesome. I'm not worried about what I don't see. I'm worried about what he asked me to do, and I do it. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm not looking for a crib sheet to say, hey, here's my list of miracles. You know what I'm saying? I already know the miracles happened. So when you stay that strong in faith, it's because a verse has come so real to you that it's what love says. See, there are verses, all of you can write the book as what has love said. Because in there, there is a committed time that God did something just for you. And he manifested his word. And it could be called out by any person. It can be, it doesn't, you don't even have to know that person. And, but yet, through prayer and watchfulness. See, he said to watch and pray. Watch and pray. That doesn't mean watch the people. It means watch and pray. Watch and pray. And then when you go somewhere, you'll see the moment you saw there in the spirit. And it has to manifest. It has, it, it just manifests so beautifully. I just, I just love the Lord because he wants us commitment. Commitment means consecration, consecrated. That means like holiness, being set apart. Commitment means available, available. Gosh, look at the stories I just told you. You have to be what? Available to speak, available to believe on behalf for him. We have to be, commitment means obedient. 
Commitment means dedicated. Commitment means completely surrendered to the vision. Put up a Habakkuk chapter 2, 2 and 3. Put the verses 2 and 3 up. I want to remind you, we are all called to the vision of Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ came from the Father to manifest a ministry of reconciliation. We are all called to that vision of reconciliation. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run with it. Where, where is the vision clear? What tablet do we have in front of us? The word that he may run who reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time. That's why we got to be consecrated with the word. When God gives you a word, you need to be available for that word, obedient to that word, consecrated to that word. And then guess what? One day that word's going to what? Work. <laughs> it's going to work because a vision is set for a point of time. As we are being consecrated, we are in a vision to get to the fullness of love in us so we can manifest his vision on the earth, which is for reconciliation, which is to constantly bring people into reconciliation back to God. So that they can not just live an eternal experience, but an abundant experience. See, the abundance is being used in saying yes. Saying yes for that appointed time. But at the end, it will what? Speak. It speaks volumes. It is an eternal sound when that word is spoken that never dies. And it will not what? Lie. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I miss that line? No. But at the end, it will speak and it will not what? Lie. Though it tarries Wait for it because it will surely come. That means whatever you want healed, you are healed because it's going to surely come. Whatever you want, it is going to surely come. Man, that's a hundred percent agreement that it's going to happen. Why do we hold ourselves back? We, I love it. We're writing a book. What holds you back? <laughs> what holds us back is our levels of doubt and unbelief because what we're born there, we're not bad. I mean, come on, a real prideful Christian, they think they got the book all down because they're acting right. But he, the biggest act that we have to do is to believe his word and manifest it, manifest it into the earth. Because it will surely come and it will not tarry. So when it's time, our commitment is what screams out of vision. Our commitment. And man, we know how it is. God sits there and waits for us to be. <laughs> Sometimes we get tired in the commitment. We talked about that last sonship that I taught fatigue. The Lord showed me a lot of fatigue. But I see people lifting out of it. I see lifting out. I see people lifting out of the fatigue. Because why? They're meditating on the word. And when you meditate on the word that the stronger one is you than you are in there, it's going to manifest. See, we have to become in such a love relationship. That is the eternal glory. Because when you tell that testimony, the glory hits another. When you know you're really forgiven, when you know you're really healed, it's not like a, yeah, I prayed a lot and yeah, nothing happened on that. They weren't committed because they didn't see it as a vision written plain on a tablet. We are to have eternal life and a life more abundantly. See, those who stay committed are going to have the abundant life on earth, which will help keep advancing the next dispensation, the next generations into growing up in him. Man, when people get, a, get this grip that he wants us to hold on to that vision, he's got it. They've got it. 
We have to be surrendered to the vision. Furthermore, commitment entails the idea of making a sacrifice. Okay, now we're going to get them off my little deflate, right? We have to make a sacrifice in order to accomplish a said vision. We talked last time. There is a price to pay. The price to pay is the weight. Weight is a sacrifice, especially in today's time. Isn't weight a sacrifice? He says that we must tarry and we must what? Wait. So we we waiting for the Doritos to come home. No, you know, I would salivate for those. I love Doritos, right? You know, and, you, and then you would feel like that protection. Oh, they're not going to get to that before I get to that. You know what I mean? So I can get the biggest handful. Because that's how my mom did it. She like put it in the middle of the table and we all had to rush to it. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had that? And then you're like, okay, what's the strategy? Go slow or just <laughs> wait to be the last and hope I get more, right? Okay. <laughs> hey, I love this too. When I was little, because there were six of us, we had the big thing with the rumble seat in the back. And I remember hearing a voice say to me, I say a voice because, you know, then I don't know if I was saved or not, but I heard this voice. Everybody was running because we all wanted the passenger seat. You know, you didn't want to sit in the back rumble or the back seat. You wanted the passenger seat. And I was running, running, running. And then I heard, stop. So I stopped on the porch and I heard, just wait. Just wait. I did. I sat on the edge of the thing and I just waited. And then all of a sudden my mom came out and everybody's like fighting at the door because it's locked. So she comes with the key and she says, out of the blue, Lee can have the front seat. I remember that day. I remember the flowers. I remember sitting there and I heard, just wait, just wait. You know, God was really talking to me then because he wanted me to feel special because he told me an instruction. I waited and I got the passenger seat. I remember sitting there like, oh, I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? (laughs) Because I was never the one that got the seat. Do you know what I mean? I have some good evangelists in my family <laughs> that got the front seat. I was not the one that could get the front seat. But I guess I say that to say this. God always has a voice for us to hear something because he's already given us a promise. He's already given us the word that is what love says. If we can grasp the eternal commitment of it because it will happen, it gives you such joy in the wait. It gives you joy in the terrier. That's what I keep experiencing. I keep experiencing the best passions of moments I've had with God is because I had to what? Wait. I had to stay committed even though commitment's not born and bred in us. A commitment is a sacrifice. There are things we have to sacrifice, but then all of a sudden the gears change and you are on like fifth gear and it's not a sacrifice anymore. But to the world, it looks like a big sacrifice. People tell me, Lee, how do you do what you do? How do you just dedicate yourself to what you're dedicating yourself? I said, I'm in fifth gear. I am staying in that gear because I'd rather have what God has for me. I'm not worried about what God has for all of you, but I'm excited about it because I believe for me, as I believe for you, that it's going to happen. So if God tells me to pray for it, I am on it because I want everybody to get what the fullness of what they're supposed to have. You know what I mean? And we have to think, hey, there's some basics to this list. The basics are he does want us happy. He wants us whole. He wants us healed. He wants us, he wants us with a companion. He wants us with the job that we that we're born to do, which will give us our happy. He wants these things for us. We have to get out to, oh, I just got the bad luck deal. No, he wants these things, but he tells us they will surely come, but we have to stay committed. All right. There are 
from different perspectives, there are four different types of people in this lesson book that they're talking about. And you know, because Jean asked me to teach from this lesson, and I've given you a lot of my own verses on this. But this is what, this is different attitudes that you'll see people have. The first attitude is senseless. Senseless. When you have to say committed to something, you will see people that are senseless. A senseless person is one who does not have the vision. Therefore, they do not commit. Come on, we go to work every day and we see people without the vision of God, don't we? We see people who don't get the vision, which is for them to be changed so that the world can know him. Do you know what I mean? People hold on to some of their own senses and what they want when if we're senseless, we have no, we have no idea of the vision. We just are mindfully walking out our day, doing what we want because we haven't decided to be connected to the vision. So when you see someone senseless, void, that's an unborn again person because they don't have any what? Vision. God says, if you hope on me, there will be no disappointment. Man, so that means if you have a disappointment, then there's something that he's not in. Because the word says, hope does not disappoint because the love of God is poured onto you by the Holy Spirit that is in you. So that means if you're in Christ and you have the vision of Christ, hope does not disappoint because it will surely come and it will not tarry in its time. Every word, every promise in the Bible has a time, but we have to commit to it. How do you commit to it? You've actually got to know the promise that's being handed to you and you've got to research and grab the word out of the Bible. You actually have to get it down and write it down. Write it down. The Lord showed me something about Rachel that was so awesome, and Rachel was in total agreement with it. And then I wrote out a prayer for her. I told her, write that prayer what? Down. Read it every day. And it's so cute because we, we, use, we use these um, our phones for everything. When sometimes God needs you to take the pen and take the paper. And he needs you to start what? Writing it out. Copying scripture out. You know, our parents weren't wrong when they made us write something a hundred times. Some a thousand. Okay. (laughs) He was not making a mistake in that discipline because how many times, raise your hand if you've had to write something out over a hundred times. Come on. I know my generation, horrible, right? Write it out. Write it out. Write it out. You know you know it by the time you're done it. It becomes you. I told Rachel, you write out that prayer and you keep it at your pocket and you start meditating on it and you watch what God will manifest out of that. I mean, I'm serious. The old fashioned, that's great. We type it out, but you start writing out every letter with your flesh, right? Sometimes we got to write the verse out, not just memorize it by looking at it, writing out. When God told me, Lee, I'm going to have you out of debt in one year, he's, scripture started every time I went about, oh, scripture would come up. We're not to be in debt. We're supposed to be the borrower. I mean, the lender, not the borrower. Then it's like only love debts. You know, you can only love someone. You know what I mean? If you're out of debt. Um, and so I would write these verses out. Oh, I'll, I'll never forget the one. Um, oh, those who give up houses, this, 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 Right. We'll gain double of that, you know, later in life. But anyway, I'd write these scriptures all out. And then I was like, okay, you called the promise debt-free. 
Here is the scripture. I am holding him to my heart. And I'm telling you, when I had any time, I'd read that scripture. Now, did I believe it? No. I didn't believe it at the time. I was a believer, but I didn't believe that. Do you know what I mean? Why? Because I had got myself in a situation where I didn't think I could get out. <laughs> at least, no. I, my self-sufficient way had the plan. But it wasn't the eternal plan. My self-sufficient way did have a plan. But then I had to really sacrifice that plan. Because it couldn't be me who did it. It had to be him who did it. And I'm going to tell you, the way he did it is not smarts in the world. It smarts in the eternal life. <laughs> because that, was, that testimony of that whole year is powerful. And, you know, I can never even tell it in one sitting. Because people couldn't absorb it. I need to put it in a book. Because you can feel the power on the testimonies of that year. But it's because he did it. I didn't do it. I can't even, when I think about it, I get weak because it was so powerful that it was not in my own strength. So I don't, we don't want to be senseless. Senseless is a person who's not going to do it his way. Senseless is a person who doesn't grasp the vision that he wants to show you the glory of his word. He wants to manifest the truth. That's a vision. When we start writing that vision down and holding it into our pocket, it is undeniably going to happen. Who believes that? You guys need whatever God's showing you right now for this season. Find the scripture. Write it out. I'm going to teach a chart on Saturday night on this. All right. The second kind of corresponding person or attitude that you can see is insecure. Come on. Insecure people. Right here. I got two hands on it. Put my feet up too. I was so insecure. I was very insecure when I came into here. They don't commit because they are afraid they will not accomplish the vision. Come on, we're only insecure because we think we aren't going to make the vision, right? We don't have it in us to make the vision. So when you don't think you have it, you're in the right place then. When insecurity sets, all you have to do is just commit. Because he's going to do it, you're not going to do it. An insecure person thinks they can't do it. And guess what? They're right. They can't do it. Every time I help somebody deliver a baby, I, I warn them, you're going to hit a point. You're going to think you're doing it. You're going to think you're doing it. And when you hit the point, you can't do it. The baby's coming, right? Everybody, I, Kim was so cute. She was like, I got to leave. She is like on it. She goes, the baby's going to come soon. I was like, all right, let me know when, you're, when you can't do it. <laughs> and then she did. She hit that moment. Oh, Lee, I really can't do it. <laughs> I was like, we are getting somewhere. And, you know what I mean? I was on it. I was so excited because God already gave us a promise and gave me all the scripture. And Kim, it was so awesome. She stuck with all the scripture. She stuck with everything. And the biggest head I ever saw, she birthed the baby. <laughs> they wanted to do a C-section on her from the beginning because the head was so big. Mill's head, you know? But isn't that awesome? But a prophet said to her, a prophet said to her, you're going to be called a C-section, but don't believe it. It's not God. That's different when you're in the hospital and they are immediately saying, we're going to have to see sex. She's so small. Mills, oh, I mean, really, I'm going to tell you, I didn't know it until he came out. It's like, and she, here's where God is so awesome. When God makes you a promise and you commit, she still had to commit in the pain. She had to commit in the suffering. And guess what the awesome part was is, and the doctor still can't believe this this day. This doctor still tells the story. She did not have one tear. No inner tear, no outer tear, no, nothing. And he said he's never seen anything like that with a head that big. 
I mean, I am telling you, the glory of God hit that room. I, when I left, I, I felt the glory all around me. Todd and his dad can even say, Todd's dad comes up to me, who's a man of lust word, and he says, oh my God, you're so beautiful. Only when you see the glory do you call somebody, you don't say things like that unless they really are seeing the glory on you. And he didn't know what he was seeing. Remember that, Todd? It was a weird moment, Rachel. <laughs> you are so beautiful. It wasn't me. It was the glory that took place. And when he does something, he does it with an extra little cherry on top. When we stay 100% committed, there is a cherry on top. Doesn't everybody want the ice cream with the cherry on top? You want the extra icing. It's an awesome. And, you know, Kim has told that testimony, and every time she tells it, you know what happens? Some, she tells it at the right time that saves somebody. She tells that testimony. It saves somebody. So insecurity is a good thing because it's telling you you can't do it. Who can? Our all-sufficient God can do it. All right. The third characteristic is the coward. Come on. Nobody likes that word. Coward. I'm going to say it again. Coward. <laughs> a coward. I, see, I want us to learn to what? Laugh at ourselves. We defeat the enemy when I say, I was insecure. But in you, I have the confidence of Christ. But I am the weaker, but you're the stronger. A coward is a person who starts off committed, but then gives up when the going gets tough. Come on. A coward is the one who's all in it. I saw what God told me. I got the scripture. And then right when the going gets tough and you have to suffer, suffer for the prize of his glory, what happens? They let go. They fall into temptation because they weren't what? Watching and being prayerful, knowing that temptation comes. Hey, the tempter comes. Get the epidural, right? The tempter, the pain is great. We are taught in society to not suffer. Why? There's always some answer so we don't have to suffer. Why should you have to suffer? Go get a credit card. I'll give you a credit limit of $5,000. You're going to suffer in six months. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay? Like, I'm no kidding. You know, I mean, there are, the enemy comes to speak and say, yep, go, go run to the hospital. Go run to that. But I'm right. I've already told you, you are healed. Do you know what I'm saying? So sometimes we do things over than we should, not trusting that God's going to make that change happen. Because when we, when the righteous cry out, God hears you. He's looking for that, that time of letting you cry out. And then boom, the shift is on. The shift is on. And it has to happen because that's his way. But we become cowards if we stay committed and then we what? Let go. I've been a coward. I have been a coward. There are times I remember I knew I even missed out on God one morning. I heard Terry with me a little bit longer. And I didn't. And I felt him. But I could have really had another experience. How many people have had that happen to them? Because you're tearing, you're tearing. It's hard to keep the arms up, Right? And then you're thinking, I could go get a Egg McMuffin <laughs> at McDonald's. I'm being really honest. I have done that. I've thought of McDonald's sometimes, you know. But I love that because then he, I love it because he builds us up in our cowardness. He builds us up because once we miss it, he says, I love you so much because I'm always committed. I am always faithful. Let's go for it again. Come on. That's what I love. When he actually tells you the promise, you get delayed 
because you were a coward and let go. But he says, okay, come on back here because none of my kids are going to stay cowards. They're going to grow up and get tough, right? They're going to get tough in the word. They're going to tough in being watchful. They're going to desire him so much. They want to hear the I love you statement. They want to hear the thing that says that, you, you know, I love you. Okay. What does love say? What does love say? Love says you're not a coward. The love says it's going to be painful. Love says hold on and do not look back. You know what I mean? Hold on to that plow. Do not look back lest you're what? Not fit for the kingdom. The kingdom is in us of God. But we want to manifest the kingdom of heaven, which is when the glory falls. The glory falls on the moment you bypassed and got through the suffering. Man, it was amazing. Kim, when she screamed out her scream and she couldn't do it anymore, it was like action. Nurses came in, rise table, drop table, baby coming. It, that's how much it was like the glory dropped right at that moment when he hears the cry. The cry is because you suffered and did what he told you to do and not do what you wanted to do. Love says, hold on in the pain. Isn't it amazing how love says there's going to be pain? Because pain is the lie leaving the body. At that moment, you've just defeated the enemy. You know what I mean? Some people have to experience things publicly. You know what I mean? And when they cry out, I mean, and they're not thinking about anything, boom. You know what I mean? Something manifests, you know? It's just so awesome. I just thank the Lord because he wants us to get this right. He wants us to know we are his children. What are children of God? They are committed. What are children of God? They pay the price of the suffering doing what he told you to do. I love the testimonies in this place. People really talk about their suffering. People really talk about where the soul suffered so that they could gain peace. Oh, here we go. You know where I'm going, Carl. The Lord showed me this. It was so beautiful. He said, Paul was born in Jerusalem. Jerusalem means peace. Paul had to journey his whole life to Rome. Rome means strength, wealth. All right. And, but Paul in Jerusalem, that word that means peace, his name was Saul because his mother was Jewish. Saul means to ask for. But as Saul started walking towards Rome, the way you say Paul in Latin, which is what the Romans spoke, his name is Paul. So his name did not get changed by God. It was just in the Hebrew, it's called Saul. In the Latin, it's called Paul. Paul means small and humble. For Paul to move towards Rome, where his father was a citizen, okay, get this. For Paul to move towards Rome, where his father was a citizen, he had to be start on a platform of peace, the birth of his mom. But he now had to build strength because going to Rome meant that he was going to get what? Strong. But in his strength, he had to be small. As he changed from Saul, he had to ask for God's direction. He had to ask for God's help. He had to ask for the word. And he was being built into strength. And when he hit the citizenship of his father, 
boom. He was protected, right? When they found out he was a Roman citizen, they had to let him what? Go. Okay, you guys getting this? When we hit the platform of peace, now let's go back in time. Jesus wasn't born. He had to, he had to die in Jerusalem. Jesus already taught us how to get to peace by what? Suffering. Nobody wanted Jesus to ultimately go to Jerusalem because he was going to have to what? Die and suffer for our sins, our sin of unbelief, our sin of unbelief. He had to walk towards Jerusalem, peace, but he had to die so we could be resurrected up. So we start on the platform of peace. If we allow our soul to be renewed, we actually can stand on the platform of peace. And God wants us to be like Saul and ask for the word. And when we ask for the word and we stay small and humble, he is building the strength of that word and we get released. We get released because we're a citizen of the father of heaven. Man, are you guys getting this? God already showed us the way. If we allow ourselves to take in the suffering of Christ, we actually get to start in Jerusalem. And we get to ask out. We are working in a time, a higher time. The higher time is we get to say that word. We get to ask for that word. We get to build our strength going to Rome in that word. And when we partake in Rome, we are what? Released because I'm a citizen of the Father. Isn't it beautiful? That's what love says. Love says keep walking small and humble. But ask the whole journey, and I'm going to manifest the truth. And then we build our book of testimony. We build our eternal love story where we say, what does love say? Love says, I am whole. Love says, I am healed. Love says, I'm redeemed. Love says that it is not your sickness unto death. It is for my glory. See, when he releases the glory, we can't be out there chasing down feelings. We've got to be building glory because every time when you reach Rome and you get released and the glory falls down on you, on whatever promise he has and whatever he has for you, guess what happens? Man, the glory's on you. (laughs) Everybody can see glory on people. You can see when the glory lands on you. You're not even doing anything. You're wearing the glory and the release. And then every time you speak that story, boom, boom, and you tell it, you now pass the eternal life on to somebody else. Isn't this beautiful? That's a love story. That is a love story, love story. I love a good love story. We can't be chasing feelings. We've got to be committed to a vision that Christ already died for us to stand on a platform of peace to be strengthened on our way to Rome so we can actually be released. Do you guys get it? There's a release for a deliverance. There's a release for a healing. There's a release for a financial, for a financial breakthrough. Whatever you're going through, there is a what? It's an appointed time. He just didn't make me debt-free one day and not the next. He says, now we're going to do this my way because I already had my way worked out. When I heard, I got to be debt-free. Great, I can work this out. I know exactly what to do. Boom, boom, boom. And then I just remember feeling so weak because he was like, it's not going to be done in your sufficiency. 
only in the eternal God. So when you tell that story, I'm going to tell you, Todd's been with me many times to tell that story. Right, Todd? Burning happens. It's awesome. You can see the glory land, not just on me, but the person who's hearing. And then they get changed. What, where do they get changed? They didn't experience what I experienced. But by hearing, those who will hear, nor eye has seen, nor ear has heard, the great things that God has that's coming, if you deeply seek him. So when you actually hear the testimony, hope just entered in. Increase of the spirit to go seek. What's my promise? What does God have for me? What is God telling me for this time right now? But you can't be a coward. You can't let go. You can't be insecure. You can't be senseless. You have to be a child of the most high God. Know where your citizenship is. Are we getting excited? Paul knew where his father's citizenship was. It was in Rome. It was his release. This is so beautiful. I'm so excited. I don't even think I'm going to get to it. What time is it? Ah. Oh, number four is you're a child of God. You know your release. The fourth person is you are, you are the child. You are committed. You pay the price, and you never turn back. Paul never turned back. Paul kept going forward. Jesus kept going forward. His job was to bring us peace inside so we could move in what we were called to do. All right. So, and I'm gonna, I'll touch this next time, about how commitment affects our character. And I'm just going to run, if you guys just want to write these things down, then, well. All right. Commitment one. It is the bridge between knowledge and action. I just spoke it. Commitment is the bridge between your knowledge, but your action. You have to stay committed to keep the bridge. We start one, you cross over, you land, and you're released. Two. Commitment is glue. It holds together who we are and what we do with what we know. Okay, I need to say that one again. That's deep. Commitment is the glue that holds together who we are in Christ and what we do with Christ and what we know about Christ. We identify ourselves with what we do for him. There's no identity unless it's in him with the release of the promise in our life. Commitment helps us reach our vision. Man, the word already says we're going to reach it. You're already going to get it if you just hold on. Commitment. How does it build, affect our character? It gives us a sense of belonging. Oh my God, I just want to hug all you. Right? We all belong to this same vision. We all have to finish our race. We all have the promise flowing down to us. So, man, we are to love one another through this because there's strength in my testimonies for you. The strength in your testimonies for me. I haven't arrived. I have some things I still have to receive. But some of you are going to help me with your testimony. Do you know what I mean? I want to get married one day. You know, hearing the marriages in this ministry, they hold me what? Going. They keep me going because these testimonies are so strong about marriage in this ministry. They keep me going because we're in a sense of belonging. 
wanting to help everybody achieve the best God has for them, right? We want to help everybody achieve the best God has for them. And you can see what's coming on some people. So that means, man, we are encouragers. The true authority to administer the word is to believe it and speak it with edification over somebody. Praise God. Good commitment helps our character, character because it helps to develop our character. Commitment helps to develop our character. It's a positive thing. Commitment makes us willing and obedient. How many, we see, how many times do we hear those words? Willing and obedient. Those who are willing and obedient will eat the good of the land, period. They will. It's not if. They will. If they're willing and obedient, then you will eat the good of the land. You know? It makes us useful to God and to others. I'm going to leave you with these two verses, if you, or this verse, if you want to meditate on it. Matthew 12, 33. You can put it up real quick. Matthew 12, 33. It says, either make, this is a good scent. This is good. I love this word. Matthew 12, 33. It says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. We are called to be the tree of life, not the tree of knowledge. The tree of knowledge is when we decide what is good and what is evil because they're both put before us. But if we live in a tree of life, we are living willing and obedient to the word of God, to the vision he has in writing. And that means there is no law against anything that comes out of the tree of life. But if we true to, if we true to partake and eat of the tree of good and evil, then that means sometimes if a tree is good, it'll have good fruit of what we deemed good. But then if there's a bad tree, it'll have what? Bad fruit. We're supposed to be a living tree always producing its fruit in season, always producing it in the time because love says, what does love say? Love says we do not, we do not. Love says, I'm trying to put it in the way it's, I, I have it written in my book. We keep nothing for itself. Love keeps nothing for itself, but it gives all out. We actually have to build fruit of testimony, deliverance, healings, everything. Because then what do we have to do with the fruit? Give it out. We can't even keep it for ourselves. We can keep the healing. We can keep the deliverance. We can keep the, the things that God has put in our possession. But he says you have to put it out. You have to give it out. If you never give out your testimony and you're never bold enough to say what God has done, or what you experience when you're weak or when you're not, you cut off the giving. Because giving the transparency of the testimony is what breaks the devil. So it says, love holds nothing to itself. Love gives it all out. It's really powerful if you start spending time. Jesus took nothing for himself. He gave it all out on the cross. So we could start on a different level. We still had to partake with the suffering, but only for a breath, only for a moment. And then we could platform and we could be strengthened. So isn't that beautiful? For a tree is known by its fruit. So what fruit do we all live in? What do we produce? Am I a tree of life or am I a tree of good and evil? You know what I mean? I don't want to have a tree and some limbs bad and some limbs good. I want my tree to grow in proper time. 
so it blooms in the fullness of its season. And that means it's passed out to everybody. It's not passed out to who you want. It's passed out to all. It gets passed out to all. Remember, lack of commitment. Don't be the lukewarm church. Don't decide to be hot one day. Don't decide to be cold the next day. You be hot for the word and the promise God has given you. Whatever he's given you, there is word to back it up. And this is what I'm going to teach Saturday night. I'm going to teach you a very important. I gave it to Carl. He loved it. I gave it to Gene. He loved it. He said, teach it out Saturday night. It's going to be a chart to help you move along this process. A way to, you know, some people are more visual than others. Sometimes we got to graph it out. This is going to be cool how the Lord showed me this. So keep in mind, everybody in here has a promise. Everybody in here has a fullness of time. Everybody in here has the victory. Just, he says, just tarry and what? Wait. The release will come because the release is building you. The Father releases you. The Father releases the things in your life. Praise God. Isn't it powerful? It's powerful. All right. Let's just pray. I just want to thank the Lord. This has been awesome. I'm sorry that this went longer than normal. Was it good for everybody? Okay. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, for your word and for your vision that you have put in our hearts. It says that you have written it in the center of our heart. Lord, help the vision to manifest. Lord, help your promises to be clear before us. Lord, help us open our eyes through the Holy Spirit to show us and so we can see and we can be secure and we can hold on and not let go because, Lord, we know that everybody in here is fit for the kingdom of God because you have imparted your Holy Spirit into us. You have told us that the word states that hope does not disappoint because the love of God is poured upon us by the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, we call and we ask. We ask like Saul starting out in peace. We can ask for the promise. We can ask for the word. We can ask for wisdom, and you are free and le- free to reveal and show us what you have for us. So, Lord, we commit our hearts, we commit our soul, and we our, commit our bodies to the manifestation of your glory. Lord, I thank you for your glory. I thank you for the promise that you have for us to experience heaven on earth. I thank you, Lord, for the eternal life of your son, Jesus Christ, and I thank you for the abundant life that you want to manifest in this room today. Lord, I just thank you, we honor you, and we glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God.